Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, December 2nd, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. All right. The ratings for the Pac-12 championship game tonight, as I said on Twitter last night, it's going to be like the ratings in Columbus and probably all parts of Ohio, Dayton, everywhere are going to be higher than L.A. and Salt Lake City uh, for this game tonight. Uh, can the Utes get it done? They already beat USC once this year. The Trojans are only favored by two and a half. What are your thoughts on this Pac-12 championship game tonight? It's, I mean, if you look at all of the analytics, you look at Vegas, Dave, everyone thinks this is going to be a tight battle. Uh, you know, everyone, the old saying is, it's hard to beat two teams twice. The, the question is, is can Utah control the line of scrimmage and can they control the time of possession? Everyone knows that USC is a very lethal offense. If they jump out on you, it's going to be hard to play from behind. But let's go Cam Rising. Uh, it's a so it's going to be a sold out stadium from what I heard. Uh, a lot of late money uh, is starting to roll in on Utah. Originally, USC was the uh, you know the heavy money favorite, but you're starting to see a little bit of cash coming in on Utah here. So I, I will say. Yes, they have an absolute opportunity to to uh, win this game. But can they do it? I'm keeping my fingers crossed because all of Columbus will be watching, all of Ohio, rather. And all over this country. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of Buckeye fans, uh, you know, in your area of the country there and uh, greater Phoenix area, tons of Buckeyes there too. So it's going to be fun. To, hopefully Utah wins that's the bottom line. And then uh, it's going to be fun to see the, uh, the ratings. So – yeah, a lot you, of people. If Utah, if Utah wins, Dave, what do you think? Rematch Ohio State, Michigan out here in the Fiesta. I think it'd probably be um, if TCU wins. I think they'll probably put TCU at three and Michigan at, at two. So then Michigan gets to play TCU to go to the national yeah. championship game. I think it'd be Ohio State and Georgia, one versus four. I'd be. I just want Ohio State to get in at this point. Um, <laughs> what do you? What, I mean, what do you think would happen if TCU wins and USC loses? You think it'd be Ohio yeah. State, Georgia, or do you think it'd be Ohio State, Michigan? It, it would definitely be Ohio State, Georgia. I think the committee uh, would definitely make Ohio State go down to the Peach Bowl uh, in that case if TCU uh, is able to win that game. But could you imagine, Dave, hypothetically, uh, in the 
world that we live in right now, if there was an Ohio State versus Michigan National Championship, I mean, the the regular season game had 17 million viewers, one of the highest uh, viewed football games on Fox ever, one of the highest viewed football games in, I don't know, college football in X amount of years, but I mean, what do you think? They that's a thirty million viewer type of type of game. If you have Ohio State versus Michigan national championship for it all, yeah, I don't want to hear anybody from the SEC saying, "Well, we don't want to see a rematch." Like, come on, we've had to live through when LSU beat Alabama one year, uh, and then they played in in you know a rematch in the national championship game, and Alabama won. And then what happened last year? You know, Alabama housed Georgia in the SEC championship game, and then Georgia comes back and beats Alabama for the national championship. So just because of the Big Ten's stupid rules is the only reason Ohio State's not playing for the Big Ten championship this week, and Purdue is. So anyway, hopefully they get that chance. Man, yeah. I'm skeptical. I, I have this bad feeling USC is going to win tonight, and TCU is going to win tomorrow. And then a lot of people. This brings me to my next question for you. So I tend to think, you know, if if TCU loses, let's say USC wins tonight and TCU loses tomorrow, I think Ohio State's resume at 11 and one is actually better than TCU's at 12 and one, but it seems like everybody, maybe even including the committee chairman uh, in so many words, seems to think that TCU's in no matter what. I don't understand that because Ohio state would have the better win. Um, Their one loss would be the better loss. I know Kansas state's ranked, but they're not ranked as high as Michigan. Um, Ohio state would have the win over Penn state I, I just don't, and, and both neither team would be conference champions. Um, so that's my question for you. Would is there any chance in your mind that eleven and one Ohio State would get in over twelve and one TCU? I think they should. Now, will they? That's to be determined. I mean, when once you start seeing, you know, the media members beating that drum, I'll put it like this: they they do not want to see two Big Ten teams in in the playoffs. And I look back at 2014, they put Ohio State in over TCU uh, when a lot of people believe TCU should have been in when Ohio State went in there and blew out Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. And we jumped them the year that Ohio State won the national championship. So I question if the committee would be willing to do that again, put Ohio State in over TCU, because what was the narrative that it was uh, all driven by the dollar, the brand of Ohio State was what got them in over TCU at, at the number four seed at the time. So I, I truly believe Ohio State has a much better resume, but the shenanigans with the committee and how they operate is, is such a cartel that who knows how what they're going to do. I can easily see them pulling a stunt to say, hey, if we can get all four regions of the country in the playoffs, maybe this will draw in more eyeballs because if we get USC to cover the West Coast, we get TCU to cover, you know, the, the South, the Southwest in Texas. You look at uh, Georgia, you look at Michigan. We know Michigan's going to bring a ton of eyeballs with their alumni base in the Midwest. So I, I can see a scenario where they say, hey, before we transition out of the 14 playoffs into a 12 team playoff, let's just get everybody from every region in here and let them duke it out. So I can definitely see him doing that. Good luck leaving Ohio State out and thinking that's going to help with viewership. I mean, no one moves the meter more than – I mean, I know what you're saying, but, like, seriously, if they're looking for viewership, no one moves the meter like Ohio State. And I'm not just saying that because we're, you know, we're Ohio State guys. I cover Ohio State. Um, You're an Ohio State fan and and do some 
media as well. It's just it's just a fact. The numbers are what they are. I mean, as I said, just wait wait for tonight. Look at gonna what what. Wait to see the numbers in Buckeye country for this Pac-12 championship game tonight. <laughs> so leaving the Buckeyes out, that's that's a bad idea if you're looking for ratings. But um, all right, let's move on. Um, Buckeye Nation breathed a sigh of relief yesterday, we think, right? Brian Hartline is sticking around. There's a lot of smoke. He might be the next head coach at UC. Uh, sounds like he is going to stick around. Now, that doesn't mean it's it's a, a lock. You know, somebody could come throw a bunch of money at him to be an offensive coordinator or a head coach somewhere. Who knows? But it sounds like he's going to stick around by what he said himself on Twitter. Uh, obviously, very good news there, JB. Absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of angst amongst Buckeye Nation because a lot of people thought that Brian Hartline was a legit candidate to get this job. I still think that he's a, a potential legit candidate down the road for a head coaching position. But so happy to have him back. I mean, you look at the wide receiver hall that's coming in. It's historic on paper. You look at, uh, you know, Depending on what publication you look at, three, five stars and a high four star wide receiver. So just getting him back, I will say this, Dave, with him coming back, one, give the man a pay raise. And two, can we please have him more heavily involved in the passing game? Um, I know he gets the, you know, the, the fake title as, you know, passing game coordinator, but that's all Ryan Day. Everyone um, and you guys know the beat. When it comes to the offense, it's Ryan Day who's pulling those strings. Um, I know Doug Lesmere uh, up a Cleveland Plain dealer. He said he he was able to spend two hours in the offensive meeting a while ago. And pretty much it's all Ryan Day from the start of the meeting to the end. He's calling all of the shots. So for me, I would like to see, you know, uh, Brian Hartline get in there, um, have more say in, in the passing attack. To me, Dave, I say one of the most frustrating things when it came to the passing attack this year is the amount of bubble screens. I feel like they never ran those uh, down the field stretching routes until they absolutely had to. So let's incorporate that more and have Heartline have a much more say in how we're attacking teams downfield. Because as a wide receiver coach, you're busting your butt to go get some of these five-star kids. I'm sure he's not happy with the amount of bubble screens that they're always running. What about any other staff changes? Hopefully Hartline's staying. It sounds like he is. Um, but what about – there's like a lot of talk, you know, uh, you know, people are frustrated with Tim Walton. Um, the corners – got guys like Denzel Burke that regressed this year. The corners were a very weak link on this team this year. Um, Tim Walton, though, is a great Buckeye, great man. be hard to let him go after one year. Um, there's talk Larry Johnson, you know, could retire. I don't know what you think about Parker Fleming. I don't know how you call a fake punt in the – Long snapper doesn't know that a fake punt is on. That's ultimately on coaching, in my opinion. I don't know how the hell that happens. Uh, and I have not been impressed with the special teams overall the last couple of years. They haven't been terrible. Um, right. But, I mean, that's one of Ryan Day's guys. It's one of the guys he promoted from within, from a quality control coach to the special teams coach. I don't know, man. I mean, I tend to think there's going to be some movement on the staff. Maybe LJ is going to retire. I don't know about Walton. I don't know about Fleming or anybody else. What do you think might happen? I know I'm asking you to spitball there, but what you think there might be any any staff changes? I don't see anybody being fired, Dave. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, for us at Ohio, you know, Ohio State fans, we're incredibly frustrated with that Michigan loss. But if you're looking at a grand scheme of things, you're still talking about eleven and one team, um, and so the world is not ending. Do you need to make some internal adjustments? Absolutely. Um, I don't think that 
they're going to fire Walton. I don't unless he decides to go back to the NFL. At that point, you could uh, move Perry down to corner. And I would say this, Dave, when when they were structuring the the coaching staff, I didn't understand why Perry wasn't originally the corners coach. I mean, you look what he did over in Cincinnati with Sauce Gardner and all of those corners over there. He did a heck of a job developing the corners at Cincinnati. So I had no idea why Perry wasn't even originally the corners coach, but that's a totally different conversation. Uh, Larry Johnson, he's one that I can definitely see deciding to hang it up, not saying that I've heard anything or that he is going to retire, but Everyone knows that Larry's coming down to the very end here. Prior to Al Washington being let go, the the rumor has it was that Larry Johnson was set to retire. Dave was going to move Al Washington down to the defensive line to his natural position and then uh, bring in Jim Knowles and and a linebacker coach. Larry decided to come back. At that point, there was no room for Al Washington, so you had to let him go. So now I just think that you know, at this point, Larry, what do you want to do? You you got a pretty solid class coming in on the defensive line. Do you feel that Ohio State can make a run for a national championship next year and give it one more swing at the bat? I tend to think that this may be it. Just my personal opinion, Dave. Um, like I said, I haven't heard anything, but I just think at this point, you know, the the defensive line, you know, they they're always going to be well coached. Can we get a little bit more out of those guys? I seem to think that you can. Uh, No one on the defensive line had over five sacks this year. You can say this, though, Dave. The defensive line had more interceptions than our cornerbacks this year. Yeah, well, the corners had zero. So, yeah, um, (laughs) low bar. But, yeah, I mean, Tuimo Lalau had uh, more in in one game than the, you know, two. He had, you know, I almost said twice as many. That would be really good math there. He had two more than the entire cornerback room in one game. Unbelievable. I've, I've never seen that in football. I don't think that's ever happened for a football team. Um, maybe in high school. I don't know when the teams like hardly throw the ball or something. Um, right. All right. So we're bouncing around as we are uh, want to do here on the show. I think I, I, don't, I don't think I'm alone here. I, they, they need to hit the portal hard this offseason. I, I think last year they did not. This is a new era of college football. And they should know this better than anybody. They got guys like Justin Fields out of the portal. You know, Trey Sermon. Um, you know, Jonah Jackson, they've done a good job overall, but for some reason last year, they brought in Tanner McAllister, who's a, and you know, average Ohio state safety. He wasn't bad. He's average for Ohio state standards. And then they brought in a kicker on scholarship. who wasn't even eligible till like halfway through the year. Those are the only two guys you bring in. It's, it's not as important as recruiting, but it's like a, you know, a huge part of college football now. So anyway, turn the page on that. They need to hit the portal hard this off season. Yep. Do you think they will? And, uh, you know, just get into that a little bit. Absolutely. That's the name of the game today. Like, if you're not in the portal, man, you're hurting yourself. You're shooting yourself in the foot. It makes absolutely no sense to be aggressive. I mean, if you go over to the 24-7 page right now, they have an actual tab that shows you who has entered the transfer portal, who has already thrown their names and said, throw their names out there, said that they're going to enter the portal when it opens up. But if you look at it, it's a laundry list of kids. I mean, it's going to be some quality players, Dave, that enters the portal. I saw one of the Stanford defensive ends who was solid this year, had over 40 pressures. He's entering his name in the portal. Um, 
They're off one of Stanford's offensive tackles that started for three years. He's entering his name in the portal. So there's going to be quality gems. I mean, you look at all you got all you need to do is just sit in there and watch Texas AM class because I'm sure they're probably going to have another, you know, eight to ten more kids to enter the portal once it comes out. You 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 look at the defensive end who was previously committed to Ohio State, has thrown his name in there. But as far as actual um, you know, positions of needs for Ohio State. You're losing both of your tackles to the NFL. There's no doubt in my mind there that you're going to lose your tackles. So I would absolutely like to see them go into the portal, get a veteran defensive tackle. Um, to me, Dave, the way you run, the way they're running that secondary, give me four to five experienced defensive backs, including corners and safeties. If you're going to run a three safety high look, you definitely need to go and get some more depth at the corner position because you know if you're looking at Kim Martinez starting with Sonny. Um, and and so, and probably Kai Stokes, some of those younger guys, I definitely think you need to be able to go get some type of veteran leadership on that back end. And I didn't think the corners played well enough this year, Dave, not to go kick the can and see what you can find in the portal. Now, you're not probably going to get an All-American type of kid, but you can get some quality players, some depth. And then at the defensive tackle position, Dave, I, I definitely thought that this year, the defensive tackle, I thought Taron Vincent played solid, but it wasn't spectacular. Um, Mike Hall had a massive drop-off. Tyleek Williams was hugely disappointed. Like, we still don't know what's going on between him and Larry Johnson to where Tyleek is getting, you know, 13 snaps against Michigan. He probably has the highest upside of all the defensive tackles there, but for whatever reason, He's not clicking with Larry Johnson. So I, t I definitely believe that you need to go into the portal and get at least one to two defensive tackles as well. So there are holes on this roster. I will be incredibly disappointed in this coaching staff and Mark Petoni if they do not go and address those holes. You see it from Alabama. Even Georgia did it. Uh, Georgia went, you know, I think last year, year before last, they even went to West Virginia, got the All-American safety who was entering the portal. So there is a lot of talent if you want to plug your holes right now. There should be no reason why we don't, why we do not go into next year with significant amount of debt at each position, considering there's going to be hundreds of kids that enter the portal come Monday. Brad on YouTube says, you know, Parker Fleming, he says, no blame for the snapper not knowing it, it was a fake. Yeah, of course the snapper is to blame too, Mason Arnold. He's a first-year snapper. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. Bradley Robinson was pristine as the starter, unfortunately. Seventh-year senior got hurt against Iowa, season-ending injury. So, yeah, you blame the long snapper too. I mean, but, Joni, you played football. You played at the highest level. I mean, I mean, not the highest level, but you played at the D1 collegiate level. I almost just called you an NFL player there. Jonah Booker played in the NFL, breaking news. Um, but seriously, like, where do you place the most blame on that? I mean, I, a lot of that's coaching. Yeah, they're both to blame. The snapper has to know. Everybody else on the field knows. If you're the special teams coach and you guys call a fake punt, how does your long snapper not know a fake punt is on? No idea, Dave. And who's, and who's more to blame? Who's more to blame? <laughs> that's, that's the snapper not executing. Like, it looked like everybody – out there executed <laughs> besides his long snapper. I mean, that right there just comes down to um, discipline, Dave. And I talked about it on Twitter this week. Everybody wants to talk about how soft this team is physically. This team is not soft. It's a discipline issue. And the long snapper not executing the fate 
is discipline and mental fortitude. Like they need to make sure that everybody is on the same page. If you're going to make sure that you, um, you know, you call that, but that's the problem with this team. Dave is not a physicality problem, um, a toughness problem when it comes to, you know, lining up and smacking somebody, they have an issue up here. They need to clean up the issues when it comes to the pre-snap penalties, the headbutting, the personal foul penalties, the quarterbacks not taking uh, the easy play that's given, uh, wide receivers not blocking the perimeter, dropping the football, running backs not um, hitting their holes instead of bouncing it outside. So that's why when I say, hey, you know, give this team a month to prepare for Michigan in the playoffs, however long it's going to take, I tend to think that they may be able to clean up some of those issues because you look at Maryland and you look at Michigan, Dave, 20 penalties for almost 200 yards uh, in those last two weeks. You can't win big-time games like that. World Worldwide, man, as we always talk about, we got somebody from China listening. We always hear from people from other countries. I love that. All over the United States listening in China. Good. I'm glad the government has not blocked our show. Um, that's a joke about Chinese censorship right there. Okay, anyway. <laughs> and your fan club is out in full effect, but he throws in a Dave, you're great too. After he's, a, he just, he makes a good point though. Like Montana mountains, J book is the man. I love someone with real football experience who is not on the beat. J book brings the truth while most of the beat kisses the butt of Ryan day and are scared to be objective. You kissing Ryan day's butt, Dave. I don't think I'm scared to be objective. <laughs> Do you if anything, people think I'm a little too like too objective. I think sometimes, but no, I think I think I call them as I see them. I appreciate the kind words there. Yeah, we get. A, I always get a, a lot of nice comments about you. Always get a lot of nice comments about you. All right, last thing. I know you're happy about this, so let's. After we just tooted your horn, now now let's get you even more in a good mood. The 12 team playoff that you won is not just coming; it's coming in 2024. You knew that money, man. They weren't going to wait around. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. That's all right. I've I've come to I'm I'm okay with it. I here's why I'm okay with it. Even though I I would have been if it was up to me, they would have gone no more than eight. Here's why I'm okay with it: more football, right? And I do like the idea of the five to twelve games are going to be on campus, unless Kevin Warren has his way. Where if you had eight teams, you might not be able to do that. You still could for the quarterfinals, but they probably wouldn't. Now you got some people. Even Gene Smith is not a fan of on campus. Uh, playoff games but anyway I know you're happy about this so congratulations it's coming in 2024 <laughs> the 12 team college football playoff your thoughts it's, it's coming sooner than what we anticipated Dave because the whole stick up was the Rose Bowl uh, was trying to hold the, the playoff system hostage because they wanted to maintain their time slots so there was a lot of negotiating back and forth um, but they came to an agreement so they're bumping it up boom 2024, Dave, let's roll. Hypothetically speaking, if things stayed the way they are now and USC and TCU were to win this weekend, Ohio State would be in the playoffs playing Tulane at home uh, in the shoe. And then at that point, they would probably be playing USC uh, who will have a bye week. So I'm excited for this, man. I know a lot of people saying, hey, six, eight, whatnot, but the angst – uh, with that, Dave, I, I just think that the angst of losing to Michigan, I think it would definitely be reduced. I think the hostility towards the coaches and the players, knowing that you're still going to have a shot in the playoffs will 
will be greatly reduced. So I, I just think that you're going to get a lot of good football. I mean, Clemson at Penn State, Utah playing at Alabama, if the hypothetical bracket stays as his. Those are great, great games. And if you're a fan of college football, seeing some of these awesome games taking place all across the country, that's must-see TV for me. So I'm excited for it. I know you are. I had to get that in for you because I know I, when I saw <laughs> that, I'm like, my guy's yeah. going to be happy on the show tomorrow. Yeah. So good for you. Um, hey, I, we knew well, it was coming. It was fate yeah, I, hey, Dave, before we before we get out of here, I want to circle back and talk about the portal really quick. Yeah. And a lot of people say, hey, Ohio State recruits so well, you know, you don't going to the portal is not a sustainable type of deal. I have one counter to that. Look Alabama. At US, look at Alabama. Yeah. Look at USC. Mm -hmm. USC came in there and they're on the cusp of, of having a shot to go play for a national championship. You know, Lincoln Riley went out there, brought some of his Oklahoma players with him. But if you look at it, he went and hit that portal absolutely hard. I still don't think USC is close to their full allotment of 85 scholarships. But they went in there and plucked, you know, 15, 18 guys from the portal and found guys that were really good fits for their scheme to plug a lot of the holes. And boom. Here, here they are on the cusp of making the playoffs the first year because they were able to weaponize the transfer portal. So if you can look at Alabama, you can look at these USC teams. You even look at Michigan State last year who won 11 games. There shouldn't be any reason why Ohio State doesn't attack the portal. And I will say this, Dave. Hold no, do not care about hurting people's feelings. Just because you recruited a kid and you sit in his parents' living rooms, this is big boy football, Dave. Do not care about hurting kids' feelings. The objective is to beat Michigan and win a national championship, and if you need to go outside those walls to get someone who's going to help you do that, by all means do it. Do not worry about having to hurt someone's feelings because you're bringing in somebody who's going to compete with them at the highest level. Yeah, I mean, Alabama loses Devontae Smith and Waddle. What do they do? They go out and get Jamison Williams from Ohio State in the portal. And no one finishes like higher in the recruiting rankings in Alabama. And obviously, Ohio State doesn't need to get a wide receiver in the portal. The point is, it's good enough for Alabama. It's good enough for Ohio State. You can't say, just to you know further your point, you can't say, oh, Ohio State recruits so well, they don't need to hit the portal. Well, Alabama does. They recruit right. even better than Ohio State. So that logic is awful. So great point on your part, as usual. The J, Club, J Book fan club will love you even more now. He comes strong every week. He is Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, my friend. Um, thanks to all of you for tuning into the show, everybody on the live feed, everybody uh, listening to the podcast. Appreciate you guys very much. Thanks again to Jay Book. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Go Utes. Go Utes, baby. Utes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 